It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. Woo! Welcome back, Falcomaniacs. Welcome to the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Faulkner, joined, as always, by my co-host, Jeff Faulkner. Jeff, we are wrapping up week 11. How are you doing, buddy? I'm fired up, man. You know, like you said, we're wrapping up week 11. Week 12 is quickly approaching with three games on Thursday. And it's also the last week before our deadline in our League of Note, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So our trade deadline is coming up this Saturday and moves have been made the last couple days. And I'm anticipating lots more uh, this week. So it's a a great time of year, man. I'm fired up for this uh, week and I'm fired up for this episode. How are you doing? Yeah, no, I'm feeling pretty good. Like we were talking off air. I'm in, uh, you know, you find yourself in a predicament when you're playing in multiple fantasy leagues where you kind of end up sometimes on Monday night where you need a complicated, a complicated series of things to happen so that you can win, you know, more than one matchup. So uh, I'm watching this, uh, this Buccaneers Giants game. I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. Basically, in one league, I need a few more points from Tom Brady, and I've got that one locked up. But in our league of note, in the league of extraordinary gentlemen, I need Tom Brady to, you know, just keep things under control. I'm playing against Tom Brady and against Rob Gronkowski, but I have Mike Evans. So if Brady's going to go off, uh, let's put our hands together to the football gods and pray that it all goes to number lucky number 13. I like it. There you go. That's it's. Uh, I mean, we're we're talking playoff races, and we've seen injuries, and that's all part of it. COVID is a factor this year, and uh, it's been a wild, uh, you know, eleven weeks. And then our league of note, the league of extraordinary gentlemen. We were just talking about uh, somebody who was considered a favorite on draft day, and his team has just been dismantled and just had terrible luck. And he's kind of on the bubble whether to to trade everything away and rebuild or, or stay the course and try to win it all this year. It's uh, it's a fun time of year, man. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we talked about that manager uh, near the end of the season last year and the, the choice that he made to strip things down and, and go for it this year. And, uh, you know, we say it all the time, Jeff, you can't. It's, it's fine sometimes to, uh, to, you know, put your sights on the future. I know that's what you're doing with your LOEG team right now. But uh, eventually you got to go for it and you got to go for it now. You've got to follow the number one rule, ABC, always be champion because you can't win if you don't act like a winner. Anyways, man, we have a busy, busy show. We have absolute madness from week 11 in the NFL to recap. We've got all kinds of studs and duds. And we've got three games. That's right. One, two, three games to preview for this week's because of the American Thanksgiving, or as we like to call it, the second best Thanksgiving. So I am pumped. We've got a day of football coming up on Thursday. And, uh, you know, like you said, some choices to make in our LOEG. And I know other uh, Falcomaniacs out there listening have their trade matchups coming up. So hopefully having that triple header on Thursday gives us a little clarity and lets us uh, make the choice whether we're whether we're going for it all this year. But uh, before we get started, though, Jeff, you know, I just talked about a couple of my matchups this week. Um, you know, for the listeners, like we are fantasy football players first and foremost. We love we love talking fantasy football. We love answering questions for the Falcomaniacs. But first and foremost, we are managers. And uh, you know, for myself and for the people listening out there, how are your seasons going uh, overall? We know you're rebuilding in the LOEG, but how are your other leagues doing right now? Well, you know what, it's turning around. So my my league where I'm I'm in it with a lot of colleagues. Um, 
it started off pretty slowly, but I thought I crushed the draft. And I'm sitting there right now with Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, and Saquon Barkley as three of my running backs. So I'm sitting pretty in at that position, and I'm climbing up the standings. And I'm putting up the biggest week this week. So I'm, I'm really excited about that team and the stretch run here. And uh, the other team of note, it's a super deep league with really funny scoring. Uh, it's very, very quarterback heavy. And I have Josh Allen, who's had some monster weeks, but the last couple weeks have been concerning, to say the least. So um, I'm going to pull out a win this week because somebody didn't set their lineup against me, which I'm loving. But um, yeah, that one I don't have a lot of confidence in. Uh, I will see how it plays out, but it's such a deep league, it's hard to predict. So you know, one league's going as planned, and one other league is is well. Two leagues are going as planned as far as the rebuild and the one that I'm contending in, and then the deep league. We'll we'll see how it plays out, but uh, yeah, it can go either way. Yeah, well, that's the fun of this time of year. You gotta you gotta kind of push it one way or the other, hey. Yeah, and how about you? I mean, you're in the the story for partying league. You're gonna what? You're gonna win that again this year and and stop <laughs> calling Tyler the champ every week. Uh, I shouldn't. I shouldn't win if like we were actually talking about that in our group chat. So the way that things are going right now, if I pull out a win this week, I'm currently in third place, and this is the league where you know I was lucky enough to have Derrick Henry as one of my two keepers. Um, and made my other keeper, Joe Mixon, I turned him into uh, Terry McLaurin and Debo and uh, Mike Davis really early in the season when I needed wide receiver help. But uh, this is the league where Tyler and I both traded away our whole future for this year, and we can't trade any picks because we're doing a restart next year. So we're kind of been in trouble. But the number one and number two teams are both going to lose this week. So if I pull this win out, I will be number one in the league. And even equally surprising, I guess, is Tyler, also with no draft picks this year, uh, will be number two in the league. So, uh, yeah, shame on you. Sorry for partying league for letting this happen. Uh, my roster is called the worst <laughs> roster ever, and uh, I stand by that. But I'm, you know, one... I'm one 10 yard pass from Tom Brady right now away from being in first place in the league. So shame on all of you. Uh, but yeah, you know, league of extraordinary gentlemen, we talked about it. I ran off five in a row, uh, up to last week to, to get back to 500 after an own five start. I'm in a tight battle right now to get over 500, to have a winning record for the first time this season. And, uh, my other two leagues, I'm kind of, you know, in the, I I'd say I'm in the upper middle of the pack. You know, I'm hanging around number four, number five. Um, I've got some players on IR that I'm hoping to come back uh, pretty quickly. I've got some shares of Calvin Ridley, obviously, that uh, aren't helping me out. But uh, overall, I'm I'm pretty happy, which is which is good because in fantasy hockey, my team is just a just a nightmare right now. So I don't even want to talk about that. Anyways, man, uh, we are finally into some jersey numbers where people are interested in hearing about yeah. the players <laughs> yeah let's do this man i know we got a lot to cover today we're going to do the jersey swap though it's number 80 so we're into some skill position players some players people have actually heard of uh so let's run through this very quick number 80 which one would you rock we got obviously the goat jerry rice steve largent chris carter donald driver andre johnson jarvis landry chris collinsworth isaac bruce danny amendola uh, oh, that's, I mean, just to name a few of the greats to wear number 80 as a receiver. Or in baseball, we had Bartolo Colon, who was, you know, a fan favorite for a lot of people. Uh, anybody on that list that you were going with, or is there anybody not on that list that you would rock at number 80? Well, there are some legends on here, um, but, uh, you know, just for the just for the representation of the nickname, 
I think I might be tempted to go with a uh, a big, sexy, a Bartolo Cologne Montreal Expos jersey. And uh, I do want to give a shout out to uh, to Big Sexy himself because I'm pretty sure he's the only professional athlete who, between his rookie season and the year he retired, uh, gained a hundred pounds and still was an effective player for that long. So good on you, buddy. Also, he outlasted stadiums. There was a couple teams that built <laughs> new stadiums and had his second stadium before he retired in Beijing. Uh, Bartolo Colon's an all-time legend. Uh, for me, though, Andre Johnson is one of my top five favorite players of all time. I actually have one of his jerseys, so it's uh, an easy choice for me. I loved watching Andre play even on those terrible, terrible Texans teams with Matt Schaub and, and all those other I... quarterbacks he dealt with. But 1,500 yards, I think, three years in a row, one of the biggest, nastiest and I don't know if you remember the fight with him and Cortland Finnegan. It was, uh, oh, yeah. you know, Cortland Finnegan was an all-time you know pest, and he got what he deserved that day. And it was from the least likely of sources, based on watching Andre Johnson on the field. So one of my all-time favorites. I could have picked that one out from a mile away that that was going to be your choice. Not too shabby. All right. Well, That's let's uh, let's uh, get things started yeah. here, man. Let's get to the opening kickoff. Opening kickoff. So with the, you know, this season has been bananas. We're 11 weeks, almost completed, almost at halftime for week 11. Week 12 is quickly approaching. And I was just thinking about the league and uh, this past couple weeks and, you know, some of the games we've seen, some of the upsets we've seen. And it got me thinking about, you know, the definition of parity, the state or condition of being equal, especially regarding status or pay. I mean, you look at the NFL right now, and I can't remember another season where it feels like there are no favorites to win after this deep into the year. I know Arizona has got the best record, and, and a lot of people would choose them to be in the Super Bowl if, if they had to make picks right now. But it, for me, anyways, it feels more wide open than it's ever been, and I kind of wanted to put that out there to the Falcomaniacs and to you, Kyle. I don't know. Um, you know, it's silly to make predictions this far out with all that can happen between now and February, but I want to hear the Falcomaniacs and your Super Bowl prediction from Week 12 and, you know, almost want to just see how wrong we are by the time the big game happens because, uh, you know, the, everything changes so fast in the NFL. And, um, yeah, I don't know how you're feeling about uh, the NFL this year, but, yeah, I want to hear your predictions. I want to hear the Falcomaniacs predictions, and we'll see how uh, we end up when the big day gets here. Well, I... It is hard, and I've kind of changed my feeling, um, you know, almost week to week, it seems like. Um, and, you know, you talk about parity. I don't know in any of my fantasy leagues if I've ever seen this much parity where, you know, even teams right now coming into this week that only had three wins, they're not necessarily out of it because the top team might only have six or seven wins in the league or in their division. But uh, in the NFL, too, it's like, Every every chalk matchup that you think is a for sure guarantee win, nope. We've had upset after upset after upset and just unexpected things. Um, but all that being said, I think I'm going to stick with my preseason prediction. I honestly believe we might see a, uh, a rematch of the Buccaneers and the Chiefs. I know Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense have been an enormous struggle to watch, uh, like four out of their last five games. I know that the Buccaneers are coming off of two surprising losses, one before their bye week and one afterwards. But I have trust in Bruce Arians and Tom Brady um, to get things straightened out there. 
I have faith that their defense is going to, you know, pull together and, and shore up a little bit, especially when uh, Vita Villa is back in, um, back in on front for them. Um, and when they get Antonio Brown back healthy and just get things flying. And the Chiefs, we saw last week what it can be. We saw in week 10, you know, the 400 plus yards and five passing touchdowns. Now they've got Clyde Edwards-Alaire back, and they've got Daryl Williams, so they've got kind of a one-two punch in the backfield. And uh, even though the offense struggled again this week, the defense, you know, what looked like a liability at the start of the season, uh, all of a sudden making big plays, putting pressure on, um, that's what they needed. That's what they were lacking at the start of the year when the offense was rolling. So I honestly think that these two teams get it figured out and, uh, and roll their way back. What about you? Where are you leaning right now? Uh, it's so hard. I mean, I'm just I'm racking my brain. And I'm listening to you, and I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Those two teams should be there. <laughs> but then you start thinking about like the Bills and how deep they look, and the Rams and their defense, and the Packers of Rodgers, and there's just so many teams, and there's like you know, a handful of five and five teams that can just go on runs, and and you can see it happen. Like the Colts are playing amazing football right now. The Buck or the uh, Vikings have climbed climbed back to 500. They're going to be in the mix when it's all said and done. Um, I mean, if I had to pick right now, I think I'm just, I'm taking the Bills, and it's so hard in the NFC. But I think the Rams figure it out, and uh, they they'll get there because Aaron Donald's going to start wrecking some games. But I, again, I feel so wrong, and I I can make a good case against every team in the NFL right now. So I'll say Rams Bills right now, but um, it'll probably change by the, before the podcast hits stop. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with you about the Rams. I like I like what the Rams have even though it seems like since they added Von Miller and uh OBJ they just it, something got something got upset, but uh I think they figure it out um and get back to what they were doing which was just unbelievable to start the season. And uh I will say one other team as much as I, you know, I I personally don't really want to see this team do it. Um the Green Bay Packers, uh, when that offense is rolling, it is truly scary. When Aaron Jones is back, um, that's going to be a big boost. And, uh, you know, this weekend we saw Minnesota go off against them, but uh, really their defense has been playing a lot stronger. So, um, you know, they could be one of those those teams that kind of hits their stride down the stretch here as well. Well, I mean, I can wait, but I can't wait to find out. But it's it's already gone too fast, so I'm, I'm willing to wait it out here. Um, but I'm not willing to wait to get to the rest of this podcast, dude. We got a lot to cover here, so let's go to the fantasy news. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. It's time for fantasy football news. So very quickly, some big news, actually, some off-field news that was positive, uh, which is nice to report here. Cortland Sutton of the Denver Broncos has signed a four-year, $60 million extension with uh, Denver, which uh, has $35 million guaranteed, which is great news for a guy coming off a pretty horrific injury a couple of years ago. Uh, and his teammate also signed a deal here. Tim Patrick signed a three-year extension for $30 million with $18 million guaranteed. They also have Jerry Judy and uh, KJ Hamler in the wide receiver room. They're building something there, and you know there's already rumors of, of oh, here's Denver locking up the receiver room for when Aaron Rodgers comes next year. But uh, yeah, they have some talent in that room for sure, and it's going to be a tough uh, wide receiver core to beat. Uh, Taysom Hill also got paid, man. This one has me scratching my head still. So it's a super <laughs> unique contract, and it's a, a lot of it's based on playing time and his role. 
don't know, just the timing of it. He's not playing, but he got a, a contract that has him guaranteed like $23 million, and it's worth anywhere between 40 and $95 million based on his role and the amount of playing time he gets over the next five years. But uh, it's just weird based on their how they're utilizing him this year. Again, him, Simeon, Trevor Simeon's still starting over him, and uh, they're signing him to this contract. So curious there, but they obviously – Sean Payton loves this guy, and he's gonna we're going to see him being used for the next four years there in New Orleans. Uh, man, more money being thrown around here. Dallas Goddard signed a four-year extension with the Eagles, worth $59 million, with uh, $35 million being guaranteed there. So they trade away Ertz, they lock up their tight end, and uh, the Eagles are playing some good football right now, and he's a big part of it. So uh, good for him and good for them. Chris Carson, yeah, here we go. Wah, wah. Change the tone of the, the or the vibe here. Chris Carson is uh, going to go under season, or he's had season-ending uh, neck surgery. It sounds like it's some sort of disc fusion surgery. Uh, they sound optimistic he's going to make a return. I don't feel the same, but uh, I'd like to see it happen just because you don't want to see anybody, you know, have a career ended by short by an injury. So all the best to him and his rehab and, uh, you know, look for the Alex Collins, Rashad Pennies, um, in Seattle there, even though the offense is broken, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be somebody else running the ball there for the rest of this year. Kareem Hunt expected to return to practice this week after five weeks on the IR. So uh, Dearness scared stupid. Won't be Dearness saving Christmas by the sounds of things. Uh, Hunt will come back and they'll have the one-two punch with him and Chubb and Dearness will not be relevant anymore. Logan, Tom Logan Thomas of the Washington football team is expected to return to practice this week after being on the IR since week four. He is a playmaker who is a pretty dynamic at the tight end position. Uh, Tyler Haneke's playing good football right now. So if he can connect with Thomas, uh, he could be a streaming option down the stretch here. Zach Wilson's knee is structurally okay, according to Coach Sala. They didn't really have another update other than he's okay to go. Joe Flacco looked better than a lot of people thought he would. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be really curious to see what the Jets do with the Zach Wilson when he's 100% ready to go. And last but not least, Calvin Ridley is eligible to return, but Coach Smith has no update or timeline on Ridley. So we are not sure if, when, or how he will return. But, uh, again, we wish him all the best in, in getting himself right. Yeah, that one, you know, we don't know. We haven't heard anything since his, uh, you know, his statement. We don't know if that's the Falcons just respecting his um, privacy and whether they've been in touch or, or maybe he just hasn't been in touch with the team. Maybe they're just giving him some space. Um, before we go on here, Jeff, I know we've got a lot of games to uh, recap here from, from this past weekend, but um, I did want to ask you quickly your thoughts on something. So um, you're talking about Dearness Johnson and, um, you know, return to irrelevance, basically. You know, he had a handful of carries this week, but it was all Nick Chubb. Now Kareem Hunt expected to at least come back to practice so he can be activated. Um, but uh, some of these guys who have been, you know, uh, fixtures over the last few weeks, fill-ins for people, the Daryl Williams in um, in Kansas City, the the Dearness Scared Stupid, the Devontae Booker, the, you know, um, what do you do with these guys this late in the season? If you don't need, if your bye weeks are mostly done and you don't need to go out and pick someone up, are they worth just hanging on to just in case that team ends up, you know, just because somebody's back from injury doesn't mean now they're guaranteed not to go out again. Is it worth hanging on to any of these, you know, quality handcuffs just on the off chance that they become a relevant piece for you down the stretch of the season? Oh, I think absolutely it is. And I think 
you know, especially the guys that have shown you when they got the opportunity, you know, the Dearness Johnsons, the Williams, even um, the Herberts in Chicago, right? When, when money went down, guys that came in and had like a bell cow role, I would stash for sure. Uh, I'm going to talk about it a little bit more in my Rudy of the Week this week. I, you know, Ooh. we see it all the time where guys just kind of hit a wall and their backups come and take over and they start eating into the role. And this is the time of year that happens. So, um, yeah, I would definitely stash a lot of them. I mean, some of the guys that were in in uh, committees when the main dog was injured, um, that, you know, those guys like the Kenneth Gainwells. And now that Miles Sanders is back, he's Gainwell's droppable, right? And the Boston Scots are probably droppable. But the guys like Williams, who had uh, you know one, two, three down roll uh, on the team when the injury happened, uh, I'm definitely stashing. Yeah. Now on that quick note, I don't know that Boston Scott is droppable because we did see Jordan Howard go down uh, with injury this this past weekend, um, and it looks like Scott and Sanders are going to be the one two in uh, in Philly. So he may be worth a worth a stash. But yeah. Well, there you go. Jordan Howard, he was, yeah, nice couple <laughs> weeks. Hopefully he's all right because it was, uh, he was showing well. I mean, he looked like the Jordan Howard of old. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we had a week 11, was a full slate of football. Only, I think, two teams were on bye weeks. So that means there's a lot to cover. So let's get to the week that was. I won. I won. I won. I won. The week that was. How can this happen? How could this happen? So starting with the Thursday night football game, uh, we, we talked about this a little bit as it was happening, but the New England Patriots finished the job. They crushed the Atlanta Falcons 25 to nothing. It was a complete domination in all three phases of the game by the Patriots, who are quickly becoming a big problem for the AFC. I know we were just talking about you know Super Bowl previews, and we didn't mention them whatsoever, um, but Bill Belichick knows what he's doing, obviously, and McDaniels has the offense clicking. Defense is playing out of its mind, and they're always great on special teams. So the, the, the Patriots are a problem, and the Falcons are not. They looked really bad. They Matt Ryan had no help whatsoever, and he had no chance at all. They've scored three points the last two weeks. And as far as fantasy goes, it's really, really hard to trust any Falcons uh, for the home stretch here. So not a good scene in Atlanta. Uh, the Bills, Colts. Bills hosted the Indianapolis. Colts who are I think they're four and five coming in this game and wow uh, Jonathan Taylor coming out party happened uh, even more so than the last couple weeks the Colts run all over a lot of people's favorites in the AFC the Bills Colts 41 Buffalo 15 Jonathan Taylor scores five touchdowns hey Kyle I don't know if you remember buddy but we did some mock drafts in the preseason and I reached for Jonathan Taylor in almost every single one of them and got a little bit of guff from other people that were on those mocks. Uh, I'm not trying to be the guy that said, I told you so, but I love what I'm seeing. And I think maybe I kind of told people. So that doesn't sound familiar. He he is legit though. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He is a beast. I mean, obviously Henry going down is a big part of why he's the best running back in the league right now, but but, uh, wow. Yeah, well, like he passed, so he's now the leading rusher in terms of yardage. It took two weeks of took two full weeks of Henry uh, not playing in any games for that to happen. But uh, no, what he's doing is unbelievable. It's special, and uh, you know we talked we talked on the Friday show last week about this matchup, and we basically said for the Colts, you know, you you have to start Pittman and you have to start Taylor, but temper your expectations and uh you know Pittman not so good uh but Johnny Taylor holy cow the Bills had no answer for him 
And uh, that, I guess, speaks as much to the uh, the amazing talent of Jonathan Taylor as it does to the concerns that uh, I think people are starting to have for this Bills team that looked like, you know, a top contender. Um, really quickly, before you go on to the next matchup, if, like, all things equal, if both of these players stay healthy and produce at a high level, a, a top eight every week level, is Jonathan Taylor, does he have a chance to overtake CMC as the 101 next year in, in fantasy football? It's, yeah, he does. It's crazy to say, and I know the receiving volume will never be there for Taylor like it was for for CMC in his prime, but I don't know if CMC's ever going to get back to that, man. Uh, there's some uncertainty with the quarterback position, and it's probably not going to be Cam or uh, Darnold next year, so who knows who will be under center. Um Taylor is awesome. He's really, really good, and uh, I could see a case where people would trust him more than CMC, who's been injury-riddled the last couple of years. It's it's bananas to say it, but yeah, I could see it. Well, and that's the thing. Like every game that CMC's finished this year, he's been over twenty fantasy points. Um, you know, this past weekend he had seven receptions. Last weekend he had ten receptions. So he is still a big part of that. But it's the injuries. It's the on and off from last year, and then the you know the multi week absence uh, this year that people don't forget about those things and uh you know whether it's fair or not sometimes you get your heart broken and it uh sours you on a player and and that might be the factor that that pushes them out of that top spot so it's going to be really interesting to see and i'm sure we're going to spend the whole offseason talking about it but we got some football to get to so why don't you hit the next matchup for us here well one thing i want to say about this uh, and jonathan taylor managers are going to be super encouraged the coach uh reich i saw him after the game so there's a play early in the third quarter where they tried to throw it on second down. It was like second and thir- uh, three. And they tried to throw it, and it was an incomplete pass. And Coach Reich basically said to himself and to the offensive coordinator, we are not going to not run on first or second down for the rest of this game, no matter what happens. And basically they did that, and we saw what Jonathan Taylor did. Like you said, they had, the Bills had no answer for it. And I think the Colts will realize over the last month here, this is our key to success. We just give it to number 28. We control the clock. Don't put Wentz in a position to you know, make mistakes and cost us the game, and uh, we'll be in good shape because our D is good enough. So Colts are 5-5 you know, five and five right now, and they're one of those teams that could be there when it's all said and done. I'm excited for, for Indianapolis. Uh, our next game was a shocker. I wish I had the audio from our last episode, dude. I, you know, I, again, I don't want to be the guy to say, I told you so, but they happened to be back, in, back to back in the order. Uh, so last week when we previewed this episode, I said, as of this recording – uh, this is probably the best team in the NFL versus the worst team in the NFL. So with that being said, and based on everything we've seen in the NFL this season, the Texans probably win by 24. And there was a point where they were up 19 nothing over the Titans, and they ended up holding on to win in a massive upset. Texans 22, Titans to 13. Um, Tennessee just couldn't get anything going all game long. Uh, they ended up having some injuries with uh, receivers. Marcus Johnson leaving with a ham, uh, hamstring injury. A.J. Brown left with a hand injury. He returned and then left with a rib injury. X-rays are negative on that, but he's going through more testing. He's just—he's another guy who's just all-world talent, but it always seems to be pretty banged up. So it's unfortunate because now is—you know—this is the prime. AJ Brown could have taken over as a you know elite fantasy receiver with Julio out, and he just can't stay on the field. Um, and Tyrod Taylor, man, is with his legs, especially he looked great. He looked great, and the Texans pull out this huge upset win over a Titans team who would beat every great team. 
the last month and a half, right? And then they come into this game and they just put up a total dudsville. Uh, Tyrod ended up running for two touchdowns. And uh, yeah, the NFL, man, this, this game is the reason I wanted to talk about parody because just when you think <laughs> you have something figured out, the NFL is a funny way of making you feel pretty silly. Well, didn't the Titans also lose to the Jets this season already? Like they're right? they're they're beating right? all the good teams, and then it's think. like they just forget that they still have a game. Um, yeah, it's a it's a tough one for the Titans. Like they have to already overcome you know the loss of King Henry, but now you've got Julio on IR. Now you have AJ Brown go out early in this game did come back, then left again. Then you have Marcus Johnson, who was kind of the the Julio replacement leaving, and you had no Jeremy McNichols. Um, they're, they're kind of piecing it together, and it's no excuse. Uh, you know, the Texans are just a, a putrid team, but uh, that's a lot of moving parts. That's a lot for a team to overcome. So hopefully they get some healthy pieces back, and hopefully they get it figured out because it'd be a shame to see them squander away, um, you know, the start that they had this year. And they're talking about Derrick Henry being ready um, at the end of December or early January. So if they can hang on and get to that point, you know, it might be a whole new ball game for them. All right. Well, this next one was a lot of fun. Uh, we had uh, multiple revenge games going on. We had the Washington football team, and they defeated the Carolina Panthers 27-21. Big comeback. Uh, Heineke revenge game. Cam, you know, return home to Carolina. Riverboat Ron going up against his former MVP quarterback. Uh, Newton looked, you know, he looked like the Cam of old. Uh, he was getting it done with his legs. His passing obviously was much better than what PJ Walker or Sam Darnold had been doing. Um, but in the end, um, you know, you know, Ron Rivera got it done, and uh, the game ended with a sack of Newton. And it was it was fun. It was exciting. Uh, I like Cam. We're going to talk about him a little bit in the waiver section. And uh, Terry McLaurin, you know, getting it done once again. Even as that offense uh, struggles at times to move the ball, he just goes up and gets it. So, uh, you know, I had to part with him in one league I talked about, uh, which, you know, it's working out for both of us right now. But uh, he is a stud. Too bad he doesn't play for a better team. Yeah, I wonder. Sorry, I want. I should have expanded on that point. The reason I put him, McLaurin as a stud, he has more contested catches than half the teams in the NFL by himself. I know he hasn't had great quarterback play, but he makes things happen no matter who's slinging it. So that's the reason I put that there, and I should have continued yeah. the point. Sorry. Well, he doesn't – that's the thing is you rarely – I feel like you rarely see him where he just runs a route and is open, but it doesn't matter. Whoever is under center has just – kept throwing him the ball forever because he just keeps jumping up and grabbing it. And, uh, you know, it's nice when you have that safety net. Uh, This next one was a bit of a struggle to watch. Uh, The Ravens ended up edging one out over the Bears, 15-13. to Not a high-scoring affair. Uh, We found out late in the week Lamar Jackson was inactive with illness. Hollywood Brown didn't play with a thigh injury. Allen Robinson missed this game with a hamstring injury. Um, Yeah, it wasn't great, but... In the end, the Ravens got it done. The Bears put up a decent showing, even though they also lost Justin Fields in this game. Uh, He took a big shot and left with a rib injury, and Andy Dalton came in. And Dalton didn't look bad. It looked kind of more what I expected at the start of the year with him, um, that he didn't really show. He uh, he did connect on a couple of big plays and, uh, you know, kept the offense moving and made it a game. 
Um, I don't know at this point whether uh, they're expecting Justin Fields to be ready just because it's a quick turnaround. They're one of the Thursday Thanksgiving games this week. So that definitely bears keeping an eye on. Ha, bears get it. Um, but, nice. uh, but you know what, honestly, for some of the, for some of the offensive weapons, Montgomery and, uh, Mooney, it may work in their favor actually to have Dalton for another week. So we'll see what happens with this one, but, uh, yeah, not, I don't want to talk much about it. And I definitely don't want to talk much about this game. The lions couldn't get it done. Mm. They lost to the Browns yeah. 13 to 10. <laughs> Another close one, another heartbreaker for the Lions, another uh, week of bad decision-making sometimes, but uh, not totally their fault. They didn't have Jared Goff in this one. He had that oblique injury from last week and wasn't ready to play. Um, on the Brown side, Jarvis Landry left early with a knee injury, uh, so that definitely uh, bears watching because with OBJ gone, he, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I guess, hasn't really fully exploded the way we hoped he would so Landry's kind of the safest bet but he went out early in this one but on the Lions side of the ball replacing Jared Goff they had Tim Boyle in at quarterback yeah that's right Tim Boyle look it up he's an NFL player he finished the game with 77 passing yards in four quarters no he did not leave after the second series with injury he played it out 77 passing yards and 51 went to TJ Hawkinson so uh I don't think Detroit fans ever thought they'd be saying this, but Jared Goff, get well soon. Three-point game, though. It's bananas that the Browns played so bad. And, you know, they eked out a W, but they are not uh, happy. And I don't know if you've seen some of the Baker Mayfield press conferences uh, since this game yesterday. It's not a good vibe right now, uh, which, you know, warms my heart. <laughs> Our next matchup, the third, uh, the San Francisco 49ers have climbed their way back to 5-5. Five and five. They're one of those teams I was talking about who are looking dangerous and playing their best football right now. Uh, they run all over the Jaguars, 30-10 to 10 in Jacksonville. Uh, even with Elijah Mitchell, Elijah Mitchell out of the game after having finger surgery, uh, Jeff Wilson, even Trey Sermon got some work. But it was Debo Samuel, man. This guy is a game changer. He's like a video game out there. doesn't matter if he's a wide out in the slot or if he's out of the backfield. He's scoring touchdowns at will. And uh, if you drafted him, you are thrilled to have him on your roster because uh, you, know, you got him pretty late, and he is outplaying that by, uh, by miles. So uh, he is the story of that offense. Jimmy G is playing great football, which, again, it pains me to say this. Um, but he's playing really good football, and the 49ers are running uh, pretty good here. They're, they're doing what a lot of people thought they were, they were going to do. The defense is getting to the quarterback and disrupting plays. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're now 5-5 five and five and, and looking to you know, make a run here in the second half of their last half of the season. Yeah, one interesting. Um, one injury on the Jaguars side of the ball. Oh, yeah, sorry. sorry. I was just going to say one interesting thing with that. Uh, without Elijah Mitchell, it was Debo Samuel who was the most effective running back this week not uh, Jeff Wilson or Trey Sermon. No, yeah, Debo was doing everything. It was crazy. Um, and George Kittle has looked amazing since coming back from uh, his injury. I think he scored a touchdown in three, maybe four straight games. So uh, he's one of my favorite po football players to watch, and I'm glad to see he's uh, on the field and succeeding. Uh, on the Jaguars side of the ball, it was pretty ugly. I know James Robinson scored a touchdown late. Um, you know, a guy who showed some flashes the last month here, Jamal Agnew, he left with a hip injury, and it's actually going to cost them the season. So they've placed him on the season-ending IR. And uh, the Jaguars lose another playmaker on offense that uh, was already pretty crummy. So not good for Jacksonville. Uh, this next game was an absolute, it was like, again, another one that was like a video game. 34 for the Vikings, 31 for the Packers. Uh, huge divisional matchup, a huge divisional rival. Um, Aaron Rodgers 
put up a great showing, and he's dealing with a pretty bad toe injury. It's uh, according to him, it's worse than turf toe. He's got to get through to the bye week to you know hopefully get any relief from this. Uh, but it sounds like he's gonna be playing through this the rest of the season. Uh, didn't slow him down whatsoever. Uh, he wasn't the reason that they lost. But Kirk Cousins, uh, this I mean, you know what? I'm gonna take this opportunity right now, Kirk. I owe you an apology. I have been kind of crapping on you all season, all off season before the year. I expected this to be the end of your run in Minnesota, and you have silenced me, my friend. You, uh, I think, right now he's at like 25 touchdowns to two interceptions, uh, which would you know put him on pace to break the record for the best ratio in NFL history. And uh, he's playing some amazing football. Adam Thielen again shushed me up, and uh, the Vikings pull out a huge win, get back to 500. Another team at back to 500. Um, beating up on the Packers and it was just a massive game for their season. Yeah, and that's what I was going to add on to your injury is Adam Thielen. Both of us faded him this week. He was our unanimous choice for Munson of the Week. We looked at the Green Bay defense, not allowing a lot of touchdown production, not allowing a lot of production at all to anyone except for hyper-targeted wide receivers. We were all over Thielen because of his high touchdown rate coming into this season, higher than it's ever been in his career, didn't seem sustainable, and... uh, you know, he's not been flashy every week, but he is quieting us down. And, uh, yeah, so uh, good for you, Mr. Thielen, and uh, keep on trucking. So now that we've said that, he probably won't score another touchdown for the rest of the season. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> but to this point, you were right. Exactly. We were wrong. Stupid us. Uh, one more divisional matchup for me to preview here was an actually a pretty solid game between two teams of pretty underwhelming records. Uh, the Dolphins pull out the W on the road, 24-17 against the Jets. Um, the story out of this one, I know Joe Flacco started for the Jets, uh, but the story out of this one is Elijah Moore. This kid is the real deal, and it doesn't seem to matter who is the quarterback. Um, now, I say that, and I hope that when Zach Wilson does return, it doesn't just completely hinder Elijah's production because this kid's electric. He cr- creates separation. He's got money hands, and he's pretty explosive after the fact. So, um, yeah, if you have him on your roster, and if you're patient enough to stash him all this time, Based on his draft stock, you're going to be happy the home stretch here, I think. And uh, if not, get out there on the waiver wires because Elijah Moore is going to be a popular name this week if he's available. Some bad news for the Jets in this one. Michael Carter left with an ankle injury. It sounds like it's an ankle sprain, a high ankle sprain. He's going to be out for at least two to three weeks. And, uh, yeah, on the Dolphins' side of the ball, they got the win. Tua looked pretty good. Jalen Waddle went off. I just looked this up. This guy's got 94 targets on the season already. 94 targets. Um, he's over 130 fantasy points in our league of note. Uh, he's quietly putting together a, just a great rookie campaign. Tua loves him, obviously. Yeah, so Jalen Waddle is a name that's silent, like quietly having a pretty solid rookie year. You know, Jamar Chase is getting all the hype. Um, but Waddle is also doing things that uh, we haven't seen before. Uh, Miles Gaskin was a guy that I wasn't thrilled about coming into this game, but he had a nice uh, game here. He scored a touchdown in, in the good matchup and had a good day. Uh, I want to ask you, though, Kyle, is this somebody you can trust in your flex position moving forward? <laughs> I wanted you to answer that because I'm struggling with that decision right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's going to be matchup based. I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. It's going to be matchup based. Obviously, this past weekend, it was a great matchup against the Jets. Now, one interesting thing to note, uh, Salvin Ahmed was a scratch for this game. They actually activated Duke Johnson, who they acquired or picked up off waivers. Um, but uh, Gaskin is going to be the go-to player. Um, so if this offense is starting to figure things out you know, he had a couple of nice runs, he had a receiving touchdown. That's what he's going to need to be because this O-line is just not, 
powerful enough or structured enough um, to run the power system that they were running last year. So for him to be a flex, like a set it and forget it flex option, um, it's going to have to come with some production in the passing game. So hopefully this is something that they can build off of because this was a nice game for him. This is what uh, I think I think Gaskin managers were hoping for um, for this season. This next one was a humdinger. Uh, oh, I don't even know it. What do you call it? A slobber knocker. It was. It was a slobber knocker. The Eagles and the Saints. It was a wild one and just shows us once again, we don't know anything about who's who in the NFL because coming into this game, we faded all the running attack for the Eagles uh, because the Saints rush defense was just too good. They ended up running for over 240 yards and a lot of their scoring production came with Jalen Hurts making plays with his legs. He ended up, uh, we'll talk about him in a little bit when we get to the podium here, but he ended up with three rushing touchdowns. They were cycling players in. Miles Sanders was back. He was uh, he was looking good. Then he had a fumble. Then it was a lot of Jordan Howard. He left with injury. Then it was Boston Scott and Miles Sanders just going wild. And uh, the Eagles surprisingly looked like, a pretty okay football team. Jalen Hurts looked like a pretty okay, you know, NFL quarterback. I talked about him in the opening kickoff a couple episodes ago doing kind of mini Lamar Jackson things. While I'll tell you what, he looked pretty darn good this weekend. If he keeps doing that, you're going to be real happy. I've got him rolling in one of my leagues and he's kind of carrying my team right now. Um, one thing to note that we uh, came up late in the week was uh, Alvin Kamara missed for a second game in a row. Uh, with that lower body injury. So, you know, the timing of acquiring Mark Ingram was pretty fortuitous because he's been carrying the load by himself essentially the last couple of weeks. So that's something to keep an eye on this week where uh, where Kamara stands. Um, <clears throat> and I mentioned Jordan Howard left with a knee injury. He is expected to miss this week. And on the Saints side of the ball, their tight end, Adam Troutman, had a good game but sprained his MCL sounding like four to six weeks. So that hurts and that's one less tight end option uh, that you can rely on. Uh, the Bengals and Raiders, uh, the Raiders are falling apart and they've had a lot to go through with John Gruden, with Henry Ruggs, um, but uh, they they are quickly falling out of contention after an, after a 3-0 and start to the season, uh, leading their division at one point. And uh, the Bengals, although they stumbled a little bit, they are rolling along. Uh, Joe Mixon was a machine. They basically just kept giving the ball to him. So even though their passing attack wasn't on fire, um, you know, they just kind of dominated this game and the game of the week, the game of the century, the way that people were talking about it, the biggest <laughs> over under of the season in Las Vegas, the Kansas city chiefs and the Cowboys coming off of two massive wins. And it ended up 19 to nine. Uh, it was a little concerning in this one. Ezekiel Elliott did leave the game limping, but he did come back in. So that was, you know, that, that was okay. Um, CD lamb left with a concussion. He was ruled out very quickly, kind of a scary play landed flat on his back and whacked the back of his head off the ground. And no Amari Cooper in this one, he tested positive, uh, late in the week for COVID had no opportunity because, um, I guess because he's not vaccinated. So he has actually been already ruled out for, uh, this coming week as well. Um, and I heard today, I'm not, I'm not confirming this hundred percent, but the reports I was hearing today is that they also expect that CD lamb will not be available because it's a Thursday game. So we have no CD lamb, no Amari Cooper. Um, and that is not going to help the concerns for the Dallas offense. 
Um, but uh, both of these guys, like, what what are the odds? Like, what would the odds in a game that was supposed to be 56-point over-under uh, that Dak Prescott and Patrick Mahomes would pass for zero touchdowns and three interceptions? Like, that's you bet your house on that, and all of a sudden yeah. you're uh, you're rolling up to space with with uh, Jeff Bezos. Greg Zerline was, I think, the high scorer for the Cowboys. It's insane. Um, yeah, I mean, that's again the NFL showing us what we know. Uh, <laughs> a couple more games to run through here before we uh, get to the podium and the the good news fantasy wise. We had the Cardinals and the Seahawks. Uh, Cardinals win twenty three to thirteen. We talked about how the Seahawks are broken on offense. They can't do anything. Russ Wilson uh, coming back from that injury has been pretty terrible. Um, Cardinals had no Kyler, no Hopkins. Colt McCoy still got it done. Zach Ertz with a couple scores, and uh, the defense you know, held the Seahawks to thirteen points. So it's oh time for the Seahawks. I know Pete Carroll's frustrated, which is kind of entertaining. Um, you know, Russ was asking for a trade before the season. It's only going to be get more interesting as the season plays out for the Seahawks. Uh, but the Cardinals are, are clicking. I think they're nine and two right now, or maybe eight and two with a bye. Um, but they are up there. They're, they're sitting where they want to be after 11 weeks in the NFL. And, uh, you know, once they get Kyler back, man, this, this is a team that's going to be tough to stop. So once Kyler and Hopkins are there and that offense is clicking, uh, look out for the Cardinals. And the last game, oh, man, this one was tough. It, you know, before kickoff, we knew it was going to be tough because the Steelers' defense has kind of been decimated with injuries, but uh, they somehow made it more dramatic and more painful by making it a game at the end. Uh, but the Chargers hold on for the win. They win 41-37 to over the Steelers, uh, which in, in a game which was basically Cam, Cameron Hayward versus the Chargers. Uh, <laughs> I fell in love with Cam Hayward in this game. I already loved him, but... The effort I saw from him keeping this team in, in contention in this game was, you know, single-handedly basically was unbelievable. I know he got some guff for that little shove and push-off on Herbert. Um, <laughs> was, they talked after, and I guess there's no beef. It was, it just looked worse than I think it was. I don't, I don't think there's actually any malice there. But uh, <laughs> I was gonna say you said yeah, he did it single-handedly Aiden, without Fitzpatrick and without Watt. You said he did yeah. it single-handedly. <laughs> was that the single hand that he like gorilla smashed down on Herbert's chest when he was on the ground? Yeah, that was a weird scene, and I don't know. I, it looked like he kind of got shoved from behind, but then as he's going down, he's like, all right, well, if, <laughs> if I'm going down, I'm gonna, I don't know. Anyways, they, they, I guess they chatted. Um, there's a couple plays in this game that, you know, I know the Steelers and Bears game a couple weeks ago, people were saying the Steelers were gifted the game from the referees, but it kind of went the other way this week. Najee Harris took a nasty elbow uh, to the head and left the game with a concussion, it looked like. He ended up coming back in somehow. Um, didn't do anything, thankfully, but, uh, yeah, that was a nasty hit. And there was a couple other plays later in the game where there was a helmet-to-helmet hit. Um, yeah, not a good scene. Um, but, again, we didn't deserve to win this game. The defense was just crushed. And, uh, yeah, not good uh, Steelers-wise. We're 5-4-1 and one now, and the Chargers pull out a win. Um, I was saying to you after the game, man, I, I was kind of encouraged by the Steelers' offense. Big Ben was moving the ball. Um but I think it said more about the Chargers' past D. I know it's ranked pretty well, but uh, if they're giving up those kind of plays to a guy coming off a week of no practice and uh, missing some weapons, it's 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 got to be concerning for Chargers fans as well. Oh yeah. Well, that was all the that was the week that was. That was all the matchups and the the who's who and the what's what. But uh, we've got to get to the the big time players and the big time disappointments. Let's start off on a positive note, though. Let's hit up the fantasy podium. You're the Fantasy Podium. 
So at the quarterback position, number three, we talked about all the work he did with his legs. Jalen Hurts, only 147 yards passing, but 18 for 69 and three on the ground, 31 fantasy points. Number two, the reigning MVP, Aaron Rodgers, telling everybody to R-E-L-A-X after they lost on that last second field goal. Uh, but he he did his job, 385 and 4, 21 rushing yards and 34 fantasy points. But number one was the man last night, Justin Herbert, 382 yards and three touchdowns. He did have one interception, uh, but it was the rushing, nine rushes for 90 yards. And it was like... I don't know if I'd call it rushing. He didn't really look like he was in a rush most of the time. It was kind of like he, he would walk 25 yards at a time and uh, and half the field was just, it's like the refs put down cones and told the Steelers defense, okay, this is your side and, and we've got lane swimming over here. But uh, 35 fantasy points. Good to see the young buck get back in the, uh, in the big column there for fantasy. Man, nine carries for 90 yards. Every one of those yards was a heartbreaker. It was, I think every one of them was third down, like third and 14, rushes for 18 <laughs> yards. And uh, real quick, I know we're going to move through this, but he watching him do that made me uh, consider, I don't know if you've seen this league scoring setting where uh, there's a bonus point for first downs. And watching him and how heartbreaking those third down rushes were, it almost made me say, you know what, those first down bonus points are something. That should be something we uh, is something we should consider. But uh, yeah, he played amazing, and he looked uh, no part the sophomore. He looks like uh, you know veteran, and and look out for the league for the next couple of years. Uh, running backs. Let's get to the podium for the running backs. Number three, Joe Mixon. We talked about how he ran over the Raiders. Thirty carries, 123 yards, two scores for 24 fantasy points. Uh, which is typically a great day for running backs, but not this week. We had Austin Eckler with 11 carries, 50 uh, yards, two touchdowns on the ground, another six catches for 65 yards, and another two scores. Make it four touchdowns for Eckler, 39 points. Wow, nobody's going to top that, except for a guy named Jonathan Taylor this week (laughs) who had five total touchdowns, uh, 32 carries, 185 yards, four touchdowns on the ground, three catches, 19 yards, another score, 52 fantasy points. If you have him on your roster, you probably won this week. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Yeah. You know, and like Joe Mixon, that's a good week. 123 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Like, that's great. And he's pathetic compared to these other two guys. Like, not even halfway to the number one. (laughs) Good for you, Johnny T. All right, at the wide receiver position, we talked about him. The rookie out of New York, Elijah Moore in third place. Eight for 141 and a touchdown. Plus, he had a 15-yard rush, 26 fantasy points. This is his second time in three weeks on the podium. He was the number one wide receiver a couple weeks ago. Number two this week was Devontae Adams. He had seven catches for 115 and two touchdowns, 27 fantasy points. And number one, the squeaky wheel, the guy they said we have to get the ball in his hands and get the ball in his hands, they did. Justin Jefferson, eight for 169 and two, 33 fantasy points. Monster performance from Mr. Jefferson. Yeah, he took over that game. It was awesome to watch it. Uh, tight ends, man, this is a sight for, for a lot of, uh, for sore eyes, but a lot of welcome. <laughs> Waller owners want to see this guy on the podium for basically the rest of the season to make up for what he's done the first 11 weeks. But he's number three at the tight end position this week. Seven catches, 116 yards for 15 points. Number two, Travis Kelsey, boring. Five catches, 74 yards, and he rushed for a touchdown, 16 points. And the number one tight end, we mentioned him in the preview, in the matchups there. Zach Ertz had two scores, eight catches for 88 yards, and 25 fantasy points as our tight end one this week. 
Yeah, we haven't seen Zach Ertz up on top of the podium uh, for a few years now, but uh, he's no stranger to this elite production, so hopefully he can keep rolling for the Cardinals, although not this week because they're on by. All right, everybody's favorite, the IDP. In third place, we had Robert Quinn, linebacker for the Chicago Bears. He had four and a half tackles, three of them for loss, three and a half sacks, and a forced fumble. Massive game, 28 fantasy points. But that wasn't good enough to pass either of these guys. In second place, we had Chris Jones, D-tackle for Kansas City. Nice to see the big man on the interior in there. Four and a half tackles, two tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, and a defended pass, and a forced fumble. 29 fantasy points. But number one came on Thursday night. Kyle Van Noy, in part of that shutout of the Falcons, Six and a half tackles for New England, two tackles for loss, two sacks, one pass defended, one interception, and one defensive touchdown finished with 30 fantasy points. So good for you. If you rolled one of these guys out there, you are feeling pretty good. But not everybody felt pretty good this weekend, Jeff. And if you started anyone <laughs> off of this next list, oh, I did. I thought you were introducing this, and I was ready to just like take my earphones off. I didn't want to listen, but uh, <laughs> perfect. Uh, I'll get it started. And uh, yeah, these are the these are the fancy flops. These are the busts. <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. <laughs> fantasy football busts. No offense. No, none taken. <laughs> quarterback oh boy Detroit fans I'm sorry you know Jared Goff's looking pretty good after Tim Boyle put up exactly one fantasy point uh Justin Fields we talked about left early with injury but only three fantasy points didn't you know wasn't looking great before that Dak Prescott had a whole game four fantasy points now I know in our league scoring he actually finished with negative points so uh if you were in regular if you were in regular uh production that helped you a lot Matt Ryan, also four fantasy points on Thursday night. That's not how you want to start your week off. Russell Wilson, big concerns. We're going to talk more about him later this week, I think. But uh, eight fantasy points, not feeling good. Patrick Mahomes, nine fantasy points. So in the game of the week, the two quarterbacks combined for 13 fantasy points. That's not even very good together. Uh, Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow, the last two number one picks, both had nine fantasy points this week. Derek Carr, 10 fantasy points, and Baker did the same. Uh, Baker and Carson Wentz, both 10 fantasy points. And Mac Jones, the winning quarterback in a 25-0 shutout, he had 11 fantasy points. Yeah, I will apologize to the Rambo fans out there. Dak was my Rambo of the week, and uh, yeah, he got shut down. Uh, let's go to the running backs, though. Uh, Wayne Gullman finished with negative 0.3 points for Atlanta, which was probably should be expected at this point. Uh, Zach Moss of the Buffalo Bills, who, you know, we're talking about them being a potent offense. They got beat up by the Colts. He could not get anything going, 0.5 points. Darrell Williams, three fantasy points. Mike Davis, drop him, folks. He had four fantasy points. Latavius Murray coming back from injury. A lot of people are excited about that. No Lamar Jackson kind of uh, limited what he could do, but uh, he got four fantasy points this week. And Alex Collins on that uh, broken Seattle offense, he ended up with four points as well. Looking at the wide receiver position, you know, C.D. Lamb, we talked about, left with that concussion, but he had three fantasy points before that. And, uh, yeah, it's not like it happened on the first drive, so not a productive day for the Dallas offense. Brandon Cooks, even in the upset win, couldn't get it done. Tyrod doing the work with his legs. Only three fantasy points for Brandon Cooks. He's, I hate to say it, but he's kind of at that droppable zone too. He hasn't really been doing much. We were hoping that 
uh, getting Tyrod was going to really turn things around. So I, I feel like he's a guy I'd be so scared of dropping. I'd stash him, but uh, I'd be hesitant to put him in my lineup. Michael Pittman, we knew this was going to be a tough matchup, and obviously Jonathan Taylor did it all by himself. But three points for Michael Pittman. He's got a tough schedule coming up here. If you're a if you're a Pittman manager, I don't know how many big big games you're going to be expecting. Uh, T Higgins, you know, we talked about him last week. I wasn't a big fan. Three fantasy points in this one uh, for the Bengals. Christian Kirk, only four fantasy points without Kyler throwing the ball. T.Y. Hilton, four fantasy points. Cole Beasley and Manny Sanders, four points apiece as Buffalo struggled to get things going. Robbie Anderson, even though he looked better uh, the first week Cam was in, only five fantasy points. DK Metcalf struggling as his quarterback struggles, five points. Same for Hunter Renfro and LaVisca Chenault, also five points. Yucka duty. Uh, tight ends, let's go through this. Dan Arnold was a guy that people were relying on this week. He put up some solid weeks the last three, four weeks. Absolute goose egg this week, zero points for Dan Arnold. Cole Komet was my Rudy of the week last week, or this past week. Uh, I only had one catch for 12 yards, which came out to be two fantasy points. Hunter Henry, another bad showing uh, and a big win for the Patriots. He only had three fantasy points. And Kyle Pitts, who, uh, you know, people were talking generational and him doing generational things his rookie season. It is not happening. He only had four fantasy points uh, week 11. Yeah, disappointing. And, you know, I think if he had come in, and we knew what Mike Davis was going to be, not what he was last year. And we knew that there was no Calvin Ridley. I think the expectations could have been a lot lower for Pitts. But, uh, yeah, it's tough because if you've got him on your roster, you've got to just keep rolling him out there and hope for those big weeks to come, come happy days to come again. All right, well, any of those, we say it every week. If you had any of those players, you may be looking to move on. You may be looking to freshen things up. you got to hit the waiver wire. So, bye-bye-bye. We got two teams on bye this week, but they are big fantasy teams. We've got the Cardinals and the Chiefs. There are a lot of players on there that teams have been relying on, and uh, that, combined with all the disappointments over the last couple of weeks, you may be looking to, uh, to bolster things up, or you may just be looking to stock up for the playoffs. Our number one priority player, and you know what's funny, Jeff? I went back and looked, and uh, a couple of weeks ago on episode 76, he was already our number one priority player. So hopefully, Falcomaniacs, you listened back then the way that I did. I rolled this player out in two of my lineups this week, Elijah Moore. He has had at least six targets now in each of the last five weeks. He scored double-digit fantasy points in all of those, and he's had two huge weeks out of the last three games. He's been targeted by four different quarterbacks during that stretch, and he just keeps getting it done. The breakout appears to be real. He has a safe target floor, and he has that big playability that gives him a high ceiling. If you're looking for a wide receiver to put in your lineup now, or you're looking for a guy who could be a potential league winner this might be it. I'm happy to go out and spend 15 to 20% of my fab if I was foolish enough not to pick him up two weeks ago when we called it. Looking at the quarterback position here, Ace Boogie, Cam Newton. Nope, it's not his MVP season, but he might be the most valuable streaming quarterback out there. He still has the same high floor because he just scores with his legs. Even when he was a terrible quarterback in New England, he scored a dozen rushing touchdowns. Like, 
basically start your week off and say, okay, he's going to have like minimum one rushing touchdown. So you're just starting with seven points right away, six points right away. And now he actually has some weapons around him. Like he has better weapons now than he ever had. I think when he was in Carolina, certainly better than he had in new England, uh, that high level production is possible and it's a little bit easier and he's still available in over half of leagues. Um, with some decent matchups coming up. So if you're looking for a bye week cover or maybe you're feeling a little pressure about your Josh Allen or about your Patrick Mahomes, maybe you just want a little safety blanket on the bench, you know, go ahead. I, I'm not breaking the bank for him, but uh, I'd happily go out and spend maybe 5 to 8% of my fab budget uh, to get Ace Boogie. And I've got a pair of running backs for the Ravens, Devonta Freeman and Latavius Murray. Now, both of these players should be owned, but uh, should be rostered in your league. But go out and check because Freeman may have been dropped when Murray was coming back. Murray may have been dropped, you know, leading up like over the injury. And then uh, Freeman kind of carried the load this week. So Murray may have been dropped uh, or might be dropped right away here when waivers run. But uh, I think it's, it warrants having these guys at least on your roster. Um, like I said, Freeman was still the, the lead guy with no Lamar Jackson. The Ravens struggled to kind of get things going without uh, number eight under center. It's not clear which back, if either, is going to be worth hanging on to. But we expect that the Ravens offense is going to turn things around. And we expect they're going to return to their elite uh, running attack. Either of these guys, if they seize the role, they automatically become a good touchdown threat um, and a good volume threat. So if you've got the space to stash either of these guys, they're worth a shot and, uh, you know, maybe 5% of your budget to go get them. Yeah, similar situation uh, with the New York football Jets. It is the season to be streaming. And with Michael Carter missing some time here with this ankle injury, it means somebody is going to step up for two or three weeks. And it's either going to be Tevin Coleman or Ty Johnson. Uh, I know they're not pretty names, they're not exciting names, but they're going to get opportunities, and if they could fall into the end zone and score you a touchdown and, and win you a week. So it's worth stashing either one of these guys. Um, I'm not expecting a ton from them, and I don't think you should expect to spend a lot on them, maybe 3% of your fab budget, but uh, both of them are streaming options uh, for the next couple weeks here with uh, Michael Carter missing time. Uh, another running back situation we typically wouldn't want to talk about, but uh, it was this time of the year we need to consider all options with the guys that are banged up and on bye weeks. So the, the Texans actually roster running backs, and you can put them in your fantasy lineups if you are <laughs> that desperate. So uh, Rex Burkhead and David Johnson, yeah, you've heard these names for probably five, six, seven years now. Um, yeah, it's not great, but Burkhead in, in a game where they had the lead, which may never happen again, uh, but he had 18 carries, and that's no joke. And Johnson saw more than 50% of the snaps, had 13 carries himself. So uh, they're both getting work, and Tyrod Taylor likes to throw to his running backs. He loves to check it down. So you could do a lot worse uh, than either one of these guys streaming uh, for your flexes uh, the next couple weeks here. Um, again, not looking to spend a ton on these guys, maybe 3 to 5% of your budgets. Um, and it's not going to be fun putting them in your lineups. But if you do have them in when they go off, it's you're going to look like a guru. So sometimes that's worth it on its own. Uh, a couple more receivers here, and I'll hand it back to Kyle. We got Darnell Mooney of the Chicago Bears. Uh, he had five catches, 121 yards, and a touchdown. It's a great stat line, even if Mooney only had five catches on 16 targets. Yeah, it's uh, 16 <laughs> targets is a lot. Five catches is not ideal. 
Uh, but he's had 12 fantasy points in three straight games. He broke a huge touchdown when Andy Dalton came into the game. Um, Kyle mentioned that it doesn't look like Fields will be back ready uh, with a short week this week and then playing on Thanksgiving. So Dalton will be back in there putting his receivers in you know good positions as a veteran should. And uh, I think he could do a lot worse, especially if Robinson is out. So um, Mooney's a speedster. He's got good hands, and he's creates separation as well. So uh, he's you know he was a, a lot of people's breakout candidate before the season. Had a pretty rough start to the year with uh, that offense just being you know gross. Um, but now it's starting to, to to turn things around, and Mooney could be a guy that uh, has a role here going down the stretch. So uh, keep an eye out on him, and maybe spend up to five percent of your budget if Mooney is still available. And another wide receiver in that division, MVS, Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Um, he had a big day this week in a loss. Uh, he had 10 targets, had over 100 yards, a big touchdown. And, um, you know, the, the Packers have been looking for a WR2 for as long as I've been alive. And um, <laughs> MVS has kind of been that, the guy that should be that for the last three, four years. And maybe he finally is. He's healthy, it seems. And um, this is obviously an offense you want a part of if they do determine somebody to be that WR2. So you could do a lot worse stash than this guy. Maybe spend, uh, you know, 2 or 3% of your fab budget on him. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm saying for me personally, I don't want to chase the points. Uh, we've seen this exact scenario from MVS and Aaron Rodgers in the past, and uh, it doesn't typically work out. So, uh, you know, if you're a believer, if you think this time's going to be different, go for it. Uh, I know for me, that's not a name that's going to be on my claims uh, going into Tuesday night. All right, if you are desperate for a wide receiver start, we got a couple of options for the Dallas Cowboys. We already talked about it. Probably no C.D. Lamb, no Amari Cooper. So we're talking about Cedric Wilson and Michael Gallup, wide receivers for the Cowboys. Gallup is probably already rostered in your league since he was activated. Uh, But check on his status because he is available in in, uh, over a quarter of leagues on ESPN and Yahoo. Um, and Cedric Wilson, we saw him kind of filling the void earlier in the season when Gallup was on IR. Um, this is a short week and, uh, I don't know how confident you can feel putting in two names like this. I don't know how confident I'd feel putting in CD Lamb and Amari Cooper this week with how the offense looked, but, uh, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures and you certainly could do a lot worse than putting in the wide receiver one and two for the highest scoring offense in the league this season. Um, so, you know, you can probably get them pretty affordably, but, uh, if you're looking to replace any of your chiefs or Cardinals or anybody who's hurt, uh, go ahead and put in a claim on those guys for, you know, a couple of, couple of shekels. Um, and we've got a few other players that are maybe worth a, a stash and hold, maybe worth a $0 or $1 bid of your fab. Um, you know, Jeff Wilson, he hasn't looked terrific, uh, in San Francisco, but, uh, we don't know what the status, um, with Elijah Mitchell is with that finger injury. And we have seen Wilson do it in the past, maybe worth holding on to Dontrell Hilliard. He carried the ball the most for the Titans. It wasn't a lot. It wasn't super productive, but, uh, you know, Who? just, yeah, exactly. Well, not Deonta Foreman, not Adrian Peterson, not Jeremy McNichols, who was out with the concussion, Dontrell Hilliard. Uh, you could go ahead and throw him in. Um, also on this list, I forgot to write it in, but Quandre Allison, I'm not going out to grab him, but uh, he he kind of became the lead rusher for the Falcons in this one with no Patterson, so keep an eye on that. But uh, these are real desperation names. And then again, Matt Breida, um, back-to-back weeks where he has looked like and performed as the best running back for the Bills. I'm not really hopeful for any of these guys, but, uh, you know, 
like I said, desperate times, right? Um, and if you're looking for defenses this week, we've got the Chicago Bears taking on the Lions on Thursday on Thanksgiving. We've got the Eagles defense, which is no joke, taking on the New York Giants, who love being generous with that football. They pass it the way that uh, Grandma's going to be passing the mashed potatoes at the table this weekend. And uh, <clears throat> a couple of our stronger defenses, probably not available, but they might be out there. The Panthers taking on the Dolphins and the Cowboys taking on uh, the Raiders. I know the Cowboys were dropped in a lot of leagues uh, after facing the, the uh, Chiefs this week. So uh, go and take a look. Yeah, absolutely. They held Mahomes, like you said, to nine fantasy points and kept their team in a game where they couldn't score touchdowns. So the Cowboys' D is legit. Micah Parsons probably the other defensive rookie of the year. And, uh, yeah, I like those options a lot. Uh, let's get into some fun stuff here, buddy. Some, you know, we, We're not knocking it out of the park every week, but it's one of my favorite segments here. Let's go to the Rudy of the Week. Rudy, 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 Rudy. Fantasy Falcon Football Rudy of the Week. He did it! He got the game for one play and made a tackle! So, last week we did okay. We went 500, you did well, I swung and missed, but uh, I, I was happy with the process. So, um, last week you chose Ramondre Stevenson of the New England Patriots, who had 12 carries and 69 yards. I also had one catch for six yards came out to eight fantasy points but he this is a guy that looks like he's slowly taking over that backfield uh so that one hit well yeah, good job on you uh cole Komet, who i talked about earlier only had one catch for 12 yards um i was expecting bigger things from him out of the bye week after he was getting hyped up it didn't happen especially when fields went down so we'll see if he can uh, earn a role here down the stretch but uh big whiffa for me and cole Komet this week <laughs> But who are you going with this week? It's a new week, Kyle. It's week 12. We get to start all over with a clean slate. Who are you oh, taking week 12 for your Rudy? I've got a clean slate, and I feel like I might be soiling it right now. This is not a name that I feel confident about, <laughs> but it's one that I think could possibly should be productive for your fantasy squad, and I'm talking about Brandon Ayuk. Um, you know, we've kind of been poo-pooing all over him earlier in the season, just the way his coach and his teammates were questioning his work ethic, questioning his effort at practice, but, uh, he's straightened things out. Um, he's, he's seeing a higher snap count. He's running more routes and he's getting the ball thrown to him more. I talked about earlier in the episode how, uh, you know, Debo was okay in the passing game, but really he was acting as a running back in this game. And because of that, Ayuk became essentially the wide receiver one. He was heavily targeted and and did his job and was secure with the ball and made big plays the way that we saw him make last year. It's so hard to trust him, but the 49ers are playing the Minnesota Vikings, who we just saw can also put up points. They can, they can score with the best of them. And in the last four games for Ayuk, he had seven targets, eight targets, four targets, and seven targets. And twice in those two in those games, he scored over 17 fantasy points. Uh, the Vikings are giving up an average of 200 yards and over 27 fantasy points to the wide receiver position. I still think that Debo is the man. I think he's the top dog. But uh, Brandon Ayuk is getting some looks, and I think he's worth a look for your fantasy roster this week. So he is my Rudy of the week. Stamp that. I like that one. 
Um, I'm going a little different direction, different position here. I'm taking a running back uh, who's playing on Thursday and on Thanksgiving. It's Tony Pollard of the New York football. Sorry, not the New York football. I was just watching them watch this game here of the Dallas Cowboys. So um, Tony Pollard, uh, obviously, is no secret. He's been behind Zeke here for a few years, but he's also shown flashes this year, especially and, and last year, where he could potentially have more juice left than Zeke does. Um, it was kind of evident last week in the game against the Chiefs where um, Zeke couldn't get anything going. I know they didn't do anything on offense whatsoever, but Pollard was kind of a spark plug for them. He doubled them in yards per carry, 7.1 to 3.6. I know it wasn't a huge workload, but Pollard has um, he has juice. He's got something that Zeke doesn't seem to have anymore, and I'm expecting him to slowly carve out a larger role in this offense down the stretch here and into the playoffs. Uh, I think it starts this week against the Raiders, who just got ran all over by Joe Mixon and the Bengals. And I think Tony Pollard is going to have a big week, so he's my Rudy of the week. Stamp it! I like that pick, man. I, you know, I'm a Zeke believer, but uh, a little bit banged up, short week, and Pollard looking good. And uh, the offense needs to do something different. They need to get things kick started here. Yeah, they sure do. And uh, hopefully, the ground game is the reason they do. Um, so yeah, I mentioned. And he plays on Thursday, so let's get to our Thursday preview. Al, my prediction is that whoever puts the most points on the scoreboard will probably win tonight's football game. NFL Previews. So not just any Thursday preview. Like Kyle mentioned earlier in the episode, it's American Thanksgiving, so that means three football games, a full slate of football in the middle of the week. It's tough to get motivated if you're at work. Hopefully you have some Wi-Fi or a second tablet you can sneak the games on and pretend to work while you're at the office. Um, yeah, this is one of the best days of the year. You Typically I try to book it off as a day off of work, but this year I actually have a review booked for it, so it's going to be terrible. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to the games afterwards and take my mind off what I just discussed for the last hour. Uh, the first game on docket is uh, two classics we're used to seeing play on Thanksgiving. It's the Bears at 3-7 and seven going into Detroit to face the 0-9-1 Lions. 41.5-point uh, over-under with the Bears being 3.5-point favorites. Obviously, two teams that are not going to be making the NFL playoffs, but for fantasy purposes, um, well, at least one team has some guys that are fantasy relevant. We don't know who is going to be playing. It sounds like Andy Dalton starting for the Bears. We don't know if Allen Robinson will be back. Uh, on the other side, we don't know if Jared Goff's going to be back, so it could be backup quarterbacks, Andy Dalton versus uh, Susan Boyle or whatever his name is for the <laughs> Lions. Um, I, yeah, I think she could throw for more than 77 yards, so maybe they will give her a call. Um, yeah, like you said here, it might be worth checking out the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade during this game. Um, but if Monty or sorry, if Fields does go, obviously there's something to monitor there. He was showing strides before going down with that injury, and I'm hoping that continues. Um, the yeses and the maybes for this one, you're starting Montgomery for sure. You're definitely starting DeAndre Swift. Um, I think you're okay starting Hawkinson, as it show, uh, Boyle showed. He's kind of only got eyes for him. And Darnell Mooney we talked about on the waiver wire. Um, it looks like he's going to be the WR1 this week, so I'm okay starting him against a bad Detroit defense. Uh, the, the maybes are Fields, Dalton. I don't really feel very strong about either one of them. Um, I, I don't think I would start Dalton. If Fields is in there, I would start him, but I don't know if I trust Dalton. So now he's probably going to throw for four touchdowns. And uh, the, the Bears' defense is a defense, yeah, I'm confident starting this week. I think the Bears get their fourth win of the year and keep the Lions winless. Yeah, I really wanted to pick the Lions in this one. Um, and I might feel differently if I knew for sure that Goff was going to be starting for them instead of Tim Boyle. But uh, as it stands right now, I got to join you. I got to go for the Bears. <clears throat> 
All right, we've got the Raiders at 5 and 5 taking on them Cowboys at 7 and 3, 51 point over under, and the Cowboys are 7 point favorites in this one. So, uh, you know, the Vegas setting the line expecting Dak and the boys to figure things out, even missing their top two wide receivers. Both of these teams are a mess, but I do honestly believe in that. I believe that the potential for the Cowboys to take over this game seems a lot higher than the Raiders' potential to do that. Um, I haven't been impressed with you know much on the Raiders lately. Unfortunately, they've dealt with uh, kind of time after time they've dealt with adversity, and it's kind of taking its toll at this point in the season, I think. Um, the key to success for the Cowboys in this one, though, is going to have Dak lead the way with kind of a ragtag bunch of heroes and uh, Zeke and Pollard controlling the ball controlling the clock and keeping it away from uh, Derek Carr so the yes is for me absolutely Ezekiel Elliott if he's healthy he's going Tony Pollard your Rudy of the week he's going uh, Dalton Schultz who's seen his target share drop a little bit in the in the last couple of weeks uh, had an okay week this week I think he's actually in for a, a heavy targeted game move the chains um, he's kind of the last man standing in terms of the regular receiving core uh, the Dallas defense, I think, is a good start against the Raiders this week. And uh, in the black and silver, you know, I don't love it, but Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller, um, I think that those two guys both deserve to be in your lineup, um, you know, just for the, the fact that the offense is going to flow through them. Um, I didn't put them on this list, but possibly even Kenyon Drake, um, just as the passing downs back. Um, <clears throat> you know, if he's ready to go, it, this could be a game where the Raiders are trying to uh, pass the ball and play catch up, and and he could see a lot of field time. Obviously, Jacob's been much better when they're winning uh, than when they're trailing. The maybes, Dak Prescott is a maybe just because of the fact that he's missing Lamb and missing um, Amari Cooper. I think that if you've got him, if you've got Dak, you probably have to roll with him unless you can, you know, grab a Cam Newton or something like that, right? But uh, it, it may be worth pivoting away just because of the, the lack of his big weapons. Um, Hunter Renfro, he's been pretty solid, a little bit disappointing this past week, but he's kind of just that safe floor guy. But what about those other two Cowboys wide receivers we talked about, Jeff? Cedric Wilson and Michael Gallup. Are either of those guys making the cut for you? Yeah, I think they are this week. I think uh, Gallup will be the WR one. He's a playmaker. He just—it's such limited opportunities with the other two studs there. I think uh, he's going to shine this week. And Cedric Wilson has kind of earned a role all season long. When you know when Gallup was out, Cedric was the the WR three for him, and Dak went to him on big plays. He's got a couple touchdowns on the year, some big third down, uh, first down conversions on third down. Uh, so I think you could do a lot worse than Cedric Wilson. I almost made him my Rudy of the week, but I am relying on him in one league, and I didn't want to jinx it, so I went with Pollard. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like Gallup and Wilson this week. And uh, I think both of us are leaning the same way. We got the Cowboys taking this one down, right? Yeah, I think they bounce back and get back in the win column at home uh, on Thanksgiving. And the uh, nightcap. This one is going to be a very, very interesting game. Uh, it's two teams that are, you know, it's crazy to say this, they're hovering right around 500 with the Bills at 6-4, and four, currently looking up at the Patriots in their division. And the New Orleans Saints at 5-5, five and five, uh, hosting the Bills here for this one. It's a 46.5 point over-under with the Bills being 4.5 point favorites on the road. Uh, yeah, the Bills have been concerning offensively. Uh, it kind of looked like they raided the ship in Week 10, but they were... Pardon me, an absolute disaster in Week 11. Josh Allen was making boneheaded throws and it causing turnovers. Um, 
you know, both defenses have been strong on the year. It'll be interesting to see how they fare on a quick turnaround uh, coming off a loss that uh, where they both gave up over 40 points. So uh, I'm sure, you know, the defensive coordinators are doing a lot of screaming at practice this week and they're going to come out fired up, but uh, they got to stay under control as well. And uh, it should be a fun game. Uh, a big story with this one, obviously, is the status of Alvin Kamara. He's missed two weeks with that knee injury. Um, even though it's not an ideal matchup against the Bills, we saw what Jonathan Taylor did to them. And Alvin Kamara is that kind of talent as well. So if he is playing, you obviously are going to start him. But if he's out, it changes everything for the Saints um, and for the Bills as well, for that for that matter. Um, so my yeses in this one are obviously Alvin Kamara if he's playing. If not, I'm okay starting Mark Ingram. I'm definitely starting Diggs, who seems to be picking things up the last uh, couple weeks here. And Josh Allen, you got to hope for a bounce back from him. And uh, based on where you drafted him, you're starting him anyway. So Josh Allen's a yes. Uh, my maybes, I'm not starting Trevor Simeon in this one. I don't trust him at all. Um, Emmanuel Sanders is a maybe for me. Cole Beasley. Uh, we've seen Marquez Callaway score touchdowns, I think, in three straight weeks, but the targets aren't there. I think he's only got about three or four targets a game, so very hard to rely on him. Uh, Traycon Smith is another guy hard to rely on with Trevor Simeon under center. Uh, just the passing attack in general for New Orleans is, is not trustworthy at all, so you can do a lot better uh, than those guys. And... Um, as far as the Bills go, there's another maybe here, Dawson Knox, who had a couple big plays, but uh, you know, with the offense not clicking as it was earlier in the year, his role has kind of subsided, and uh, it makes him hard to trust at this time of the season. Bills D was a set it and forget it up to two weeks ago, and uh, I think they're you know, I'm okay starting them this week against Simeon, but uh, they better show me something because uh, they got beat up pretty bad here. And the Saints D, one of the best defenses of units in the league. I just don't think I can trust them against the Bills, um, even though the Bills looked kind of shaky last week. I think I'm going to maybe stream one of the options Kyle mentioned and, and sit the Saints defense this week because uh, Buffalo is capable of doing some big things if they click, and uh, you, you don't want to have that happen. So, yeah, I don't know. If this one's a coin flip for me, but I'm going to take Buffalo to get things right. I said they're one of my Super Bowl favorites, so I can't uh, pick them to w- lose this week <laughs> to Trevor Simeon, <laughs> so I'm taking the Bills. Yeah, see, I'm I'm going the other way just because that Saints D has been so good. And we've seen the Bills, you know, they've struggled. They struggled for three quarters and a bit of the game against Miami. They struggled against Jacksonville. They struggled against Indy. I don't, I don't feel good just because they had one blow-up game over the last month that they're going to come out against the Saints defense. You know, both of these defenses kind of got embarrassed this week, right? The Bills hold themselves to a high standard um, as kind of the top of the top in almost every category. And they just got embarrassed and they're, and they have to watch their highlights all week. You don't think guys take that personally. They're watching themselves getting beat over and over and over again um, because of what Jonathan Taylor did. And on the saint side of the ball, same thing. They pride themselves on being this elite run unit and then give up, you know, 240 yards to the, to the Eagles and to, and three rushing touchdowns to Jalen hurts. So both of these defenses are going to have something to prove. And I think that the saints uh, are functioning at a little higher level. I, I, I got them taking down the bills and, and putting them down to six and five. Boy. Yeesh. All right, man. Well, this has been a super mega Thanksgiving second helping stacked up those mashed potatoes and, everything onto your plate as high as you can hold it episode but uh we do have one more thing to get to you know no matter how much turkey and stuffing you eat you always got a little room for pumpkin pie and we got to make room for the loeg recap welcome to the league of extraordinary gentlemen i'm waiting to be impressed 
So looking at our game of the week, public enemy number one, we talked about the tough schedule. We talked about the matchup with public enemy number two, second place in the league and Craig's team going to get it done. Projected to win despite Russell Wilson, despite Mac Jones, despite Kyle Pitts and others letting him down. He rode that New England defense. He had Nick Chubb and Dalvin Cook and Devontae Adams, and those players helped him overcome facing Zach Ertz and Jalen Hurts. Um, it also helped for sure that Grant had Dak and uh, Pittman and Dan Arnold. Uh, I think the three of those guys combined ended up with about one fantasy point total. So uh, good for you, Craig. You're on the right path. And, uh, you know, just hold that tiller steady, buddy. Keep sailing into the sunset. Uh, and in our other game of the week, sorry, Jeff, it looks like Whammer's ending up with his third win. So uh, good for you, Whammer time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you got the first one. You broke the you broke the curse. So just keep on keep on trucking, buddy. Um, but really quickly, our high score, our high score, number one enemy of the public. And I'm going to I'm going to identify these teams because I know it's getting confusing. It's confusing for me when I look at the standings. But we've got Todd TJ scraps himself with number one enemy of the public with the high score, 226 points. He had Johnny Taylor. He had Justin Herbert and he had Justin Jefferson. Pretty good trio. Those three guys, I think, would have beat about 75 percent of the league this week. Just the three of them. And low score of the week, uh, or the Christian yeah, of the week, the is, yeah, Christian of the week, as we've started calling this segment, uh, stun punts, you know, ninety-one <laughs> points. Uh, Trevor Lawrence didn't help him at all, and neither did starting Carlos Hyde uh, for zero points. So tough one for Christian. I'm sure he can. I'm sure he can get that one win. One win. That's all you got to do, buddy. I don't share the same confidence, but Falcomaniacs, thank you so much for listening. Uh, and remember, lots of fantasy shows are going to be taking the days off on Thursday and Friday for the American Thanksgiving. So this is a perfect time to share the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast with your friends and family who love fantasy football and will be looking for the most up-to-date info on Friday morning. Happy Turkey Day to, Turkey Day to all our friends south of the border. Make sure you don't put your Thursday players in your flex spots and don't forget to set your Falcon lineups. Woo!